In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. Once again, we have another great story, another narrative that's being crafted. Hannah is our guest today. And so I'm really, really excited about this. We have now talked four, five, six times off air. We haven't recorded anything yet and we've been laughing and having fun. So I'm, I'm kind of excited that we're going to have a little bit of a, a fun time. Hopefully some some laughs are going to come out of it, but some serious discussion too. But like I said, as always, again, welcome everybody. Thank you, Hannah, for being here. Let's start it out with, okay, we met in an elevator. You got 30 seconds. Who are you, Hannah? I love this question. I just have to say this first before I answer it. I, <laughs> I feel like for me, Tim told me this before we hopped on air. You know, we were talking a little about, bit about just who we are as people and elevator pitches. This is like a question I ask a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm like, wow, what do I say about myself? And now it's been turned around and now it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a great skill to have though. So this is a, an awesome exercise. I mean, 30 seconds in an elevator. I mean, I would say, and this, this has changed over the last year, but I think the first thing I'd say about me is that I'm a mom. I'm a new mom. I'm a person that really enjoys kind of like, I love family, big family person. I think I create family out of anyone that I really meet in my life. I love storytelling. I love lots of things. I always say I love, love, love everything. So mom, storyteller, reader, traveler. I love to learn things and I grow. I think growth is a big part of my life all the time, every day. So it's kind of just a lot of words, but that's me in a nutshell, I think. But I love that because it's a multifaceted identity. And oftentimes, and this is what I love about the people that come on and we choose people to tell stories specifically because you've gone through things, you've grown through things, and that's why you're here, is we want to hear the before, the belief aspect, the, the false narrative that you're living, what was the change, and then what's the true narrative that you're crafting now. But in every situation, we do this for the public, obviously, those that are listening, but it's also a process that we go through on a regular basis. And that's why when I ask that question, I absolutely love the different answers that I get, because you're showing us I don't necessarily identify as my business. I don't identify with all of the trauma or the, the challenges that I've faced. I identify with the good things. And I think that's a great lesson that we start with. And, and I love being able to introduce that way. And then it, it makes you think. And so, you know, we're kind of looking at this whole aspect in a different light. But that's the reason why we do it. And, and it's just a great way to say, I'm going to choose to identify in this manner. Anyway, that this is a whole different rabbit hole that we're going down already. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. We're going to be on here, here for we go. a while. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track, right? <laughs> All right, so getting no. back on track here. As we start, we always talk about kind of what was the belief that we had of what life was going to be like when we were going to, quote, unquote, enter into adulthood mm -hmm. or when we were going to become who it was that we grow up to be, right? So what was it like for you? What were the things, whether they were examples, somebody said something to you, what were the things that you believed life was going to be like based on whoever it was that you were following, your parents or maybe a teacher, a mentor, whatever? 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think I, when I was a kid, I sort of always had this idea that I'm going to be 22 and I'm going to get married at that age and I'm going to have a child at 23. And like, it was, it's probably because my grandparents had my mom when my, my grandmother was 21 years old and my mom kind of got married to her college sweetheart type of thing and they got married. It was just sort of like, I think the my idea of being an adult was totally based off of like where you're at with your family. Right. And I mean, having said that, I just said I'm a big family person and that still stands. I always had this idea like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get married really young and have kids really young and my career takes sort of a backburn to that and all of that sort of thing. And part of that, I think, is, you know, growing up as a woman. And in my my experience as a little girl and as a teenage girl and all of these things, like I, I just, and I grew up in kind of a small town in North Carolina. So our high school, I don't even know, we had like under 200, maybe 200 something kids in our graduating class. It wasn't very big, you know, and people are always like in college, you're from the sticks. So I, I was from a very small area in North Carolina. And I think that along with the fact that like my family followed a certain path, I just didn't really think of myself as a person who would really have, like, I wouldn't prioritize my career and I would mm. really just kind of go with the family first. And that was sort of like how I saw what my life was going to be like, you know, so. So I'm curious about that because, you know, when you introduced, it was one of the things that you loved was the fact that you're a family person and you yeah. value mm -hmm. family. Um, yet when we're talking about this, there's a little bit of a negative twist to it. So can you go in a little bit deeper to that as far as why you feel like there's a good and a bad there? And maybe that's a yin and a yang mm -hmm. kind of a scenario, but why do you feel like there's a positive and a negative and, and what was going on in your mind? Obviously, we're looking back on it now, but from that perspective, why do you feel like there's a negative and a positive here? And again, I'm assuming some, so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I wouldn't say negative. Probably that my my connotation on it is a little bit right now. It's something I've had to kind of work through as I've gotten older, you know, and I, I think being a family person is great. If you have a great family situation or a positive family situation, which for me, I was really lucky and very lucky that I'm close with my family. Mm. Um, a lot of people I know are not close with their family. And that's just something, you know, you, you in encounter a lot in your life as you get older. But for me, I think it's more along the lines of like, I think I observed people in my family or just around me putting themselves last I and mean, everything else came first. So for me, I think like that was sort of just the way it was. I, I it was less of like, oh, well, what do I want to do? What do I care about? What is what is what are my goals? Not really what's happening around me. I'm like, what's happening? What did my mom do? Or what did my grandparents do? Or what does my dad do? What do my friends do? And I think that's a common problem now that a lot of people kind of work through is people pleasing and just sort of mm. like, how do you break that cycle? I definitely am still actively working on not being that person because it's something like, and again, I'm going to go back to this a couple of times just being a girl and being a woman now it's just like I think we were kind of always sort of taught that whether it be through media or in school or just like history family whatever what we do we kind of had to follow what, what are you supposed to do like it's really only in recent history that women are able to vote and like we have mm. the there's all sorts of things like that that I think if you're 
like studying that growing up, studying our history. And on top of that, just like experiencing it through generational trauma from our mother and grandmother and all of these things. So it's like, I think for me, that was sort of, I just, I just felt like it wasn't, it's not necessarily negative. It's more just like, I had this idea that mm -hmm. what I wanted to do wasn't as important as the person next to me, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So let me ask you this a little bit deeper into this question. How did that play into how you perceived the value that you brought to life or even play into your self-confidence of what you could accomplish? Oh, good question. I mean, it played into it a lot. You know, I, I it took a really long time for me to feel like a confident person. And I would say even in the last year is really when I've come out of that and become, I feel like right now I'm the happiest I've ever been and I'm the most me I've ever been. But it took a really long time to get to that point. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear me say that because I've always been kind of the performer. Mm. I, I'm very loud and sort of not afraid to say what I think. And well, that's how it looks, right? But I think for me, performing was more of how I dealt with being self-conscious more than anything. It's like you read, a, I always, I love reading biographies, not autobiographies. And I, I've read a lot about like Robin Williams and these people who are major, majorly like impactful and funny and out there. And all of them, and most of them have a lot of issues with self-esteem and just being kind of sad. And I felt, I, I really felt that a lot when I was growing up. I was just like, I don't know. I feel really self-conscious or I don't know if I'm doing the right thing because again like going back to the other part of this this question is like I just felt like what I wanted didn't really matter so I mean it totally impacted it it's hard to feel confident when you don't really think what you want matters at all and then yeah. you don't really think about what you want right because you're like no. well, it doesn't matter anyway so why do I even think about yeah. it yeah <laughs> no I, I totally hear you there so did that and, and again just digging one one layer deeper in that was that a we often talk about imposter syndrome and we hear that all over yeah. society. Was it for you, was it a an idea of you had to always wear a mask? You know, you brought up Robin Williams where he was constantly putting on this good face, right? Did you feel like you had to always wear a mask because you felt like you had to present yourself in a different manner? Or was it, and maybe it's both, was it something where you felt like you had to actually chameleon yourself to whatever the situation was and you had to actually, you know, please everybody that was around you? Or, Because I, I, I know, this is the reason why I'm asking is because I know that there's people out there that are dealing with this exact same issue and they're trying to kind mm -hmm. of decipher, is this something that I just put a mask on and all of a sudden I perform, like you just said, or is it I'm actually trying to chameleon myself to the environment to actually quote unquote fit in? And we'll talk about how to get out of that and how to overcome, but where were you at? That's a, I mean, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. Like you were saying, I think performing is definitely a mask in some regard to the point where you're like, okay, let me be, if I, if you think it enough or you acted enough, maybe I can be this thing. And part of it is you though, too. I think that's something I want to put emphasis on. Like the performer is like, a very fun thing, right? So it's like a creative outlet. I I definitely, I think, I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a way that's more like a journey for me. But at the start, it's like, I think it's also a coping mechanism. Um, I think mm -hmm. performing can be a coping mechanism for sure. So you're kind of protecting yourself and it puts you into survival mode too from things you might've dealt with in your life. And that was certainly it for me at certain points. So 
I think kind of acting and becoming a different character is sort of like, oh, this is fun. And it's it's kind of helping me become a little more creative and it's showing me the creative side of myself. But at the same time, it's also protecting me from tougher feelings that I might be experiencing, especially as a kid, right? So it's like, you're, you're really yeah. getting to know yourself and there's a lot of really hard emotions that come with growing up and being a performer was a way that I sort of dealt with that. And I, it's healthy to an extent. And then it's sort of like, oh gosh, am I just doing this because people expect me to do this? And the mm. people pleasing kind of comes in there at that point too, where I think it's really tough to really be yourself all the time. You, can, you can't perform all the time. That's the thing. Right. It's like, and I, right. I learned that the hard way too, where you're just like, yeah. oh, I, I, I'm used to, I, people expect this of me. I have to be this funny, amazing person. And I'm just feeling really sad today though. And when you're a kid, you just don't know how to do that, <laughs> how to be it all. Yeah. But I love the idea that you just brought up in the fact that as a performer, you're actually discovering things that you do like, and you lo you're, you're discovering more about yourself and you can actually identify without putting too much risk on there. But I love that positive spin because that's not something that we often think about with this, what we would consider an imposter syndrome of a discovery because how are you going to discover what it is that you like unless you're actually mm -hmm. putting yourself out there like that? So I, I kind of, I really like that idea, that concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true too. I mean, I think like I, I spent a long time making myself feel guilty about mm. like, acting and performing and like doing and I feel like the word it's probably because the word performative has become very like popular or you see it a lot in media right now and it has a negative connotation to it mm -hmm. like performative actions they're not real things like that and that can be true in some circumstances but I think yeah I mean for a lot of people though also it's just a creative outlet and if you're yeah. performing it doesn't mean that you're like it's not always like, oh, I'm just acting a certain way because this person wants me to act this way. It's also like some people are just funny people and it's fun to be funny. <laughs> so yeah. that or like to yeah. tell a story, to be in a play or like whatever it is. And you do find out a lot about yourself if you kind of open yourself up to that concept and don't make yourself feel bad about it. Because I think that's what a lot of us do is like you should yeah. do this you should be just relax just calm down you might have heard that from your parents or friends like you're too much right now it's like but some, <laughs> some of us just are too much you know like i just i'm a crazy person <laughs> so what was the what was the the shift like when when you finally because there's several things you said in there one is the fact like you're learning to not be so hard on yourself giving yourself some grace and forgiveness and being able to perform like you want to and being able to come out of your shell a little bit more and not be so what was that transition like when you realized like look i i have the freedom to be able to be more to do more to to then embrace a lot of the values that you can see in your own life and then become more confident was there a direct moment, like a lightning bolt moment, or was it kind of a slow process? I would say it's definitely a slow process. And I think all of us are speaking for myself. Definitely. It's, it's going to be a lifelong thing. Like we're always growing and I'm always growing mm. and learning about myself and, and we change as people too. I think that's yeah. the thing that I, I realized pretty recently well, in the last couple of years, it's just like, it's okay for us to change in terms of like a specific moment. I think there, it was a couple of different moments. You know, I think you have to go through hard things in your life in order to realize you are who you are and feel confident in that. I mean, you know, for example, I was in a really bad relationship when I was in my early twenties, it was horrible. And this was a really psychologically abusive person. And I was shut down all the time and told I was, 
I didn't matter. All of the things that I had thought about myself growing up, mm. right? So whether it's just, he, he kind of affirmed that for me. Like he would say things like, you're not funny. You think you're funny and you're not funny or mm. commenting on how I looked or just a lot of different things about my personality saying I wasn't good pretty much. And I think through that, and I was with him for four years. And so, and that doesn't, and now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that it could have been way worse and it could have been worse, but it was during my early twenties to mid twenties. And it was a very, like, I was developmental period in my life. Like I had just had a really hard time dealing with that. And I, so I would say getting through all of that and coming out of it and kind of coming to and saying like, this isn't something I have to do. Realizing that we have choices is a huge thing. <laughs> we have a choice. Yeah. And this is a big question. What made you decide to get out of that relationship? Because there are many, 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 and both male and female side of mm -hmm. things when they get in, whether it's a physically abusive, mentally abusive, or even just a put down kind of a relationship. How did you know that you needed to leave that? Because often we don't, a lot of people don't make the decision to leave it. Oh yeah. I mean, it absolutely. And I, I, it's a hard thing because I kind of always knew it wasn't right. I guess that's the wrong way to put it. I, I thought I was going to marry this person. I loved him. Like, or I thought I did. Like I had this whole idea of what my life would be like, but I knew it was wrong in terms of how he treated me. So mm -hmm. I, I was lucky for that. I've always been a very like aware person. I super analytical. I love kind of studying how our minds work and reading other people's stories. And I kind of throughout that relationship would read articles and things about just like domestic violence or psychological abuse kind of I, I don't know, like make help myself know that I wasn't insane because I yes, think that's yeah. like part of it is, you know, gaslighting and the person making you feel crazy when you're just like, I'm just sad because you just said something that really hurt my feelings. And it gets to a point after, after years and years and so many different conversations, like it gets into you, you know, like these things that the, the person says, they get into your brain and you start to believe I can't find anybody else or I can't get out of this. And that was definitely the case for me. And I think what happened for me eventually, how I got out of it, well, you know, like I said, in part, I was always kind of aware and reading about things and that was always in my mind, but got to a point where I was just done. <laughs> and that sounds crazy. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think for a lot of people, it's different for everybody. For me, I think it was just a buildup. And finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore. He had said something to me that had just like gotten, it just made me angry. I got mad. Mm. And I think you go through the stages of being kind of sad or like worried or anxious. And then you, then you just get mad. And that, that was sort of what happened for me. I got mad. And, and I'll say this too, for anyone who's listening that doesn't know how to have that conversation with the person to, to get out of it. You don't have to have a conversation. I just mm. ghosted this person that I'd been with for a long time. I just stopped responding <laughs> because I could not talk to him. And I think I felt really bad about that. But I don't now because I understand you can't talk with people like that. Like, it's really hard to talk with a narcissist, but you don't have to. That's the thing. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. If you're lucky enough that you didn't marry this person or you didn't have a child with this person and you can just cut it off, you don't owe them anything. So that's what I did. <laughs> I was just like, 
And that's awesome. And then the freedom to be able to do that instead of, and some of that is, is our own conscious where we feel like we have to explain why we're doing things and we have to explain yeah. all of the, and I love that you just said that, like, you don't have to, you don't have to explain that because you don't have, and I, man, I almost feel like you just need to stop and say that all over again. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. And you know, to follow up on that, like I heard this is kind of silly, but not really the Olsen twins who, you know, very famous childhood all of they went through years and years and years in the entertainment industry all of that like they had a really great quote that i heard in an interview that always stuck with me and they just said no is a full sentence just say no no is a full sentence like you do not need to explain yourself if it's a toxic situation or you just say nothing at all which is what i did <laughs> <laughs> it's all I could do. <laughs> and that's so true. I mean, sometimes that is what it takes is a, that direct cut off of, okay, we are going to go separate ways because there's nothing positive, nothing good, nothing true about what it has happened. And then just to make that shift and that adjustment. So where are you at now? What do you do to write your narrative? What do you do to, to really, truly craft that that narrative that you want the rest of your life to be like? Gosh, where am I at now? I mean, I, I think I've kind of taken my experiences growing up, all of the different ones, like good, bad, in between um, the challenges that I've faced and you find things that make you happy. I think right now I'm in a really great place. Like I said, I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I, I have a daughter who is one and she's just the best ever. And I think like I... Until uh, she hits two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm getting a little bit of that now. I'm like, oh, why are you upset? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even know why she's upset. So, <laughs> But I think a lot of my narrative is actually, you know, being crafted by her too. Like seeing the world through a kid's eyes again is a really powerful thing. And it kind of helps me see the areas in which like I want to grow and I want to see her grow. I want to kind of live a life that she is like really learning about the positive ways that we can live and to love herself and other people. And so that's a huge part of my life right now, obviously. And I am happily married. I am married to a great person who is all of the things that I deserve. And hopefully I'm that for him too. And yeah, I work in PR, which is storytelling. And that's kind of like the perfect career for me. I feel like I get to kind of shout people's stories from the rooftops and I work with authors and creative people mostly. So it really fits into my life very well. And I think the way that I kind of stay healthy and like understand the things that have happened in my life, but again, both good and bad, like little moments are big for me. So I do a lot of writing myself. I don't drink alcohol at all. That was kind of something that I used to cope with some of my more traumatic experiences. So being a sober person has been something that works really well for me and helping me live my truth and my story. And, you know, just traveling has been huge for me too. I think like I learned so much through travel and that's something I, I did a lot growing up. My family is from the UK. So I've I did a lot of traveling while I was growing up and it's something that I, we've been doing with our daughter, Gwen. And so, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of different things just in little things on a daily basis to kind of try to keep my um, story moving. Let me ask you this then, and there's two, two questions on this. Number one is what has been the most helpful activity that you've done to be able to really embrace your value and, and find your confidence? That That's question number one. And question number two is what do you do on a daily basis to continue to restore that energy and to find that life that you are living? You can choose whichever one to go first, but those are, I feel, really great ways that we can learn from your experience. 
Yeah. So what's one activity? Let me make sure I've got these organized in my brain. <laughs> so what, what, <laughs> one we'll activity. Start, I'll, I'll go one question first. You ready? Yes. So what is one of the most impactful activities that you have done that's really set the course of your life as it is today? Yeah. So, and this is going to be a very typical answer, I feel like, but it's so true. I'm learning as I get older, the cheesy things in life are the truest things. And there's a reason they like stick. (laughs) But what activity is exercise? I mean, God, it's so helpful. It's so great. And like, I feel like throughout my life, I've gone through different periods where it's like you go ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I work out a lot and then I'll go through a period where I don't like whatever. But being consistent with that, like there's two things about it that gives me confidence. It is the consistency and like staying true to this promise I've made to myself, like, oh, I'm going to do this Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if I don't do it on a Friday, I'm going to do it Saturday morning. You know, it's like there's there's a certain, like setting those goals and reaching those goals and that it's a decision that I'm making for myself. That gives me so much confidence. I think the little choices we make for ourselves, that's how we become competent people. Like you just honoring that to ourselves and just exercise as a whole. Like, I mean, it it's endorphins, it's things that getting up and getting moving, like it really helps your brain. And I think for me, that's just like, it's been crucial. I've, I've done a lot of different things like kickboxing and, and also I'll tell you too, for women who are listening or people who have been, you know, afraid of being somewhere alone or anything, kickboxing is a great workout. <laughs> you just feel like you could beat anyone up. Like it's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So the, the second question is what do you do on a daily basis? What are the, what's the, uh, whether you want to call it a routine or a habit, everybody uses different words, but on a daily basis, what is it that you do that establishes your life, your, your story for the legacy that you want to leave behind? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is walking my dogs. I have two golden doodles who are just like the queens of our house, no matter what. (laughs) Uh, So walking them, walking with them and just getting outside and, you know, interacting with animals, I think is a really powerful thing for me personally. I'm a big animal person. So that definitely every day, it's just a great way for me to kind of stay grounded and think about things and be attentional. And so that, and I love to cook too. So I think cooking dinner at night, like growing up, my family always ate together and that's something I really valued a lot. So cooking, walking my dogs, those are two little things that I, I like to do every single day. Even even if I would go out to dinner or something, like having some sort of aspect of cooking and like create making food for myself is like, I really like that. <laughs> so, so if you go out to eat, you have to go to some place where you're going to cook your own food. Is that it's going to work? Oh no, absolutely. Oh, well, maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm creating a new <laughs> restaurant concept as we speak. But no, I mean I'll like make a good breakfast or lunch or something for myself that day. I like to just do something a little culinary. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. No, and I I love. And it's interesting because you said this earlier about it's the simple things that. Mm-hmm sometimes hold the most value. And just the fact that you're walking your dogs, it's just a reflective time. It's almost a meditative time, but you're doing some exercise, you're getting blood. I mean, there's all of these different pieces, but it's such a simple thing. And we often feel, and many people feel like, well, I've got to do the big thing. I've got to do this monster thing in order to have a good life or whatever. And you're like, no, it's just these simple things. It's these simple decisions. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, it really is. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's, I mean, it's totally, it, it's the little things in life. That's another one of those cliche phrases that you hear, but it really is. And I think as I've gotten older and my life has gone through different 
stages and um, it's the little, what remains the same is that the small things that happen every single day, and that could even be an interaction that you have at the grocery store. You know, like I kind of think about that a lot, actually, just sort of like if I see someone and I, I have a big, I'm very empathetic and to a fault, you know, I kind of create stories for people without even knowing what their life is like. But if I see someone who looks kind of sad or something at the grocery store, I'll be like, I really like your shoes or something like that. And I, cause I know, I know that I've been, a, been in a place where that's helped me or just the mm. kindness of other people, even if it's just a small thing really impacts your day a lot. And so things like that. And when it comes to little things, just like, in your day like in your home even or sitting outside on the porch and like hearing birds and like smells i think are really huge for me like i like mm. to kind of smell i love i'm a candle girl and i feel like smells are really nostalgic for me like i have like appreciating that so i mean it's like simple things and something else that's really helped me kind of notice those things more is just having like a little notepad with me that i'll kind of just jot things down and be like that was a really great moment that just happened and you know, because they, they really do impact you for the better. Like I, I keep saying mm. I need to, I have this project idea in my mind where I want to like write down all of the things that I remember that people have said that have made an impact on me. Like I can remember things that I, I heard when I was like 10 years old or 15, you know, things. And then, then later on, like a year ago or yesterday, like little things that I remember that people have said that I go back to sometimes, you totems. know, because yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, things to, to remember. Yes. Yep, I love that. I fully mm -hmm. agree. And we could have a whole nother conversation about totems. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the chance just to like, what is it, it whether it was something that you said, what, what is the one thing you want somebody to walk away from this conversation and either, Hey, don't forget this or implement this. What is the one thing? Oh gosh. I mean, I think the one thing that I would say in your life that is important to know and remember is as long as you're trying, that is the best thing you can do in your life. And that is like with anything. I think I, I've learned that a lot. And that's something that my husband and I talk about what we'd want our daughter to know about us like as she gets older and I think I'd always want her to know that I'm trying because I think that's a really valuable thing like whether like we're talking about being in a bad relationship if you're trying your best to survive that and to get out of it or to to make some sort of change even whether that even if that's staying in the relationship and trying to make it work right or you know going into your job like if you're trying to do your best I think that that right there gives you a ton of confidence knowing that you're trying it like it really changes everything in your life like to know that you are trying and to try feels good so mm. I think that trying that act of trying in any shape or form is like as long as you're doing that in your life you are crafting your story you are you are the person who's spinning that is it the spool the spool with the thread <laughs> you're spooling the your, of your life. life i love that i love the word yeah. picture i love it yeah i love it so I, I know you do a lot of pr i know that you work with a lot of authors and uh, mm -hmm. there was a lot of awesome things that you said and i know you love telling stories but how can somebody get in contact with you what's the best way to connect whether it's social or website 
how, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, best way is through my website. My website is spellboundpublicrelations.com. That's my company is Spellbound. I say company. It is just me. <laughs> but right there, I'm giving myself some confidence, right? I It's it's me, one woman show. But yeah, through my website is great. There's a contact form on there. And if you just submit through there, it'll go directly to my email and we'll just start the conversation from there. That's perfect. We'll get that in the notes, but it is spelled cool. the normal way. Spellboundpublicrelations.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. We'll get that in the nose and we'll get that ready to go. Man, this has been fun. I, yeah. Actually, there's some stories where I get into it and it's just we have a good time and we laugh and we really learn some things. And I love this aspect. And when you say uh, the the final thing about trying and just doing, and I absolutely love that. So thank you so much for being on. I, I greatly appreciate that. You're, you're spending your time with us and then we can support and encourage everybody else. So thank you again for that. Thanks for having me, Tim. This was fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, if you're listening and you hear the podcast and you want to see the other 80% of the communication, you got to actually go to YouTube. So that way you can actually see our reactions and our smiles and all of the other fun communication that happens. So you got to go and check us out on YouTube. Otherwise, again, until the next time, make sure you subscribe, but you have to keep writing your story. And, and I love what Hannah said, is you got to at least just try to craft and spin that story because this is what it's all about, is creating and crafting your narrative. So keep listening. We'll talk to you guys on the next show. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.